What's good, y'all? Welcome to the Nerding with Friends podcast. Today, we're back hitting you with another Shonen Heat Week. This week, we're covering Jujutsu Kaisen, Chapter 248, going on from the battle between Sukuna and Yuji with a shocking revelation and a new fighter joining the fray. Then we're going to carry things over to My Hero Academia, Chapter 412, Deku and Shigaraki continuing the battle, and we get some powerful displays of multiple quirks, but that ends with a choice that might change the course of hero society as we know it. And finally, we're going to finish things off with One Piece, Chapter 1104. The egghead art continues with a punch felt around the manga community and a touching reunion between father and daughter. So with all that being said, if y'all ready, let's get into it. Thanks again for listening. If you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you prefer. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, pretty much everywhere. You know, check us out for some real cool, engaging content we've been whipping up for y'all and more Shonen Heat Week discussions. We're going to start things off with Jujutsu Kaisen. Chapter 248, the battle going on between Sukuni and Yuji. Looks like things did not work out in their favor. Codename, what do you think about how this chapter starts off? Uh, for me, it was honestly one of those situations that felt very much like the story, Jujutsu Kaisen, where you feel like everything uh, is left on the cliffhanger and there's a strong possibility that you just might make it. And then you have to remember that Gege don't care about your character. Um and it was it was it was nice to see that there was a possibility that the executioner's blade could be that one shot, one here to kill, you know, in the day. But you know at the same time that that's not the story that we're watching. They're not, there's not going to be all of this boxing, all of this heavy hitter fights, all of this intricate uh, storytelling for it to just all end in one fell swoop. That's just not the story we're reading. Um, so for me, I thought it was great how it started. Um, it's another situation where you see that Yuji Itadori is not just a normal person. He's not just this normal, everyday character. And you almost forget that in Jujutsu Kaisen, there hasn't been much time pass. It's probably been like, and since, you know, Yuji started to learn curse techniques and, you know, what Jujutsu sorcery is, it's probably, it hasn't been like a span of a year as far as I know. Am I right? Yeah. A couple of months, maybe, maybe six tops, I think. But yeah, just, Shout out to Higuruma, man. You know, valiant effort on his part trying to take out Sukuna. The Executioner Blade didn't connect, disappeared with his death. But on the plus side, Sukuna did lose his 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 cursed tool, so he doesn't have the lightning ability anymore. Like, for what it's worth, like, it really doesn't do much when you're talking about the King of Curses here because he's got powers that we still don't even understand. Speaking of not understanding powers, um, 
you mentioned Yuji not being an ordinary person, but just I don't know who has more plot armor out of Sukuna or Yuji at this point because the stuff that happens with Sukuna that he's lucked out of just in this Higuruma fight alone only lost a, a cursed tool that he recently got right when he could have lost his life easily and not having to deal with you know the executioner blade like if Itadori would have been one second sooner if Higuruma could have just held on to life one moment later who knows what could have happened right but we also have Itadori who we saw in the previous chapter take a big hit from Sukuna and he's back fully healed because it's revealed that he has mastered reverse curse technique, something that it took Gojo, the brink of death, to realize. And Shoko might be one of the only other characters that really knows how to do it. It's a very rare ability. And he mentions it, uh, at least Sakuna mentions that, you know, it's it's only been less than a month or a little over a month, and he's already mastered it. So that in itself is a feat. I think, you know, I mentioned the last podcast that Sukuna only, I felt like Sukuna was not disrespectful to Itadori because of just a true disdain for him, but also a respect in a way that he understands that even if it's not truly about the strength, there's something about Itadori that's in his conviction against me personally. I can understand and respect that for what it is. And you start to see him start to, you know, become something different. I believe you mentioned last podcast that it's probably, uh, a case of Itadori changing him because of the time that they've spent together. Um, what do you think about that? Do you feel like you were like you, you knocked it out of the park with that one, or do you feel like it was just, you know, a happy coincidence? Well, I think that was a conversation we might've had offline um, talking about, uh, you know, Sukuna's, What's the word he used? Not depression, but um, what did he say? Disappointed? What What was the word he used to talk about uh, Higuruma's death? Uh, you know, give me one second. Um, he said something about it was different. It was, yes, disappointment. Did that sorcerer's death disappoint me? Right. It's like him fighting Higuruma, he expected more because everyone he fought up until that point had brought him to a certain point where it's like, oh, I really got to expand myself. And then Higuruma was such a, a drop off from the Kashimos and the Gojos. Is that what you took from it? Kind of. Yeah. Because mm. he saw the potential and he even recognized his strength in that fight. I don't know if it was a, a drop off he was feeling. I think what is bothering Sakuna is that these people have ideals, like they have reasons for what they do. Like, um, I thought it was interesting how it flashed to when he was having that conversation with Jogo. You know, if we look back at the the disaster spirits like Dagon, uh, Hanami, Jogo, Jogo, you know, I felt was like the leader 
and possibly the strongest one, even stronger than Mojito. You know, I, I think that argument could be made. But when he flashed back talking to him, like, he he's Jogo is the one that had the plan, you know, like his convictions were strong. We know at the end of the day, Kenjaku disguised as ghetto had his he had his plans. Jogo is the one that wanted the curses to be quote unquote the humans. Yeah. He had he had ideals, you know. Mm-hmm. Even Gojo and his 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 ideals of wanting the next generation to do better and to bring about a better world for Jujutsu society. Right. Tashimo, who wanted to fight Sukuna because he was strong to prove his strength. They all had these goals, these ambitions. And he talks about the sorcerers that he fought in the past. Like they were just like him, you know? Yeah. yeah. He goes back to this quote that he said earlier after he had been resurrected and um, Megumi's body, Mm -hmm. when he says, um, if I want to eat, I eat. Mm -hmm. If I see an eyesore, I kill it. If it entertains me, I throw it a bone. That's who I am. I haven't changed. Just doing these things to pass time until Until he dies. You know, he's going through the day to day, no, not looking forward to anything. And maybe that's the burden of power he has to bear. But going back to what you said from our previous conversation, <clears throat> because Kenjaku is the one, it was always meant for Itadori to serve as a vessel for Sukuna. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% sure of that at this point. So I think it might have been possible for the time that Sukuna spent inside Itadori, something went with him when he passed on to Megami's body. I don't know if that could be some type of thing that was how Yuji was raised, if it was some type of special unwritten vow that Kenjaku might have placed on it or something somehow. But it was enough for Sukuna to change his thought just long enough to have the same type of will, should I say, that Kenjaku had. And so he's using the culling game to enact Kenjaku's plan of merging Japan with Tengen to see what will happen. And Sukuna's idea is, I'm going to fight this thing. This was totally unexpected for me. What what did you think about this twist? (laughs) What an awful time for uh, Sukuna to decide he actually has a will for them, you know? Because... In order for him to potentially get the best fight of his life, he has to go about doing what Kenjaku wanted to do. And it's already bad enough that they're having such a hard time beating him. So it's like, not only are you dealing with someone who 
was already a problem for you, had already proven to be a problem for you. But now you're dealing with someone who has conviction to do something that you thought was not going to be an issue. You know, you thought your plan had worked. You thought you had done everything you needed to do by just taking Kenjaku out of the picture. And now yeah. that's not enough. Usakabe <laughs> was hot. It was like, man, Sakuda doesn't want to kill. I could have just left. Uh, right. Like, <laughs> all I got to do is get out of the way. He just tried to kill people. All you got to do is not be there. Yeah. Now we got to deal with this, too. It's like... You, yeah. like you understand the frustration. It's like, damn, like when you think about it that way, yeah, he did just, he was just about the hands. Like when you're dealing with someone who has, who is just feeding, who's just a, like, like, cause Sakuma is just a cannibal to his convict, or not even to his conviction. He's a cannibal to his lust. Like he just wants to fight. Like I, I don't even, I don't, <clears throat> I don't even think that would be him. I just think he's he's like an apex, you know? Yeah, like he, yeah, he, he, he doesn't he feels like he needs to kill. Yeah, like I don't even think it's like healing, you know. I think he can just like chill, live. Like we've seen in flashbacks, like yeah. people worshiped him. Yeah. You, it's you not know, like it's... he's all about killing. I think it's just like he's a problem because on a whim. He can he can do whatever he wants. If he's walking yeah. by it and he sees something he doesn't like, he can kill it. Whether that be an innocent yeah. family, a country, you can't let somebody like that walk around. Right. Because he can and will. And I think and like you said, like, that's the biggest problem with him. Like, it's just something that you can't. You don't know how he's going to operate. So you can't really just let him just walk around freely expecting him to do the right thing because he's proven before that when he has the opportunity to do what he wants, he's going to take that chance. I think he honestly probably I'm not going to say he killed more because to like to spite Itadori. But I wonder if not being tied to Itadori's body, not being tied to a personality personality like Itadori who cares so much about people, like would it if not trying to spite him specifically, would he have done as much as he did with the Maharaga fight? Would he have gone to like like over and above to kill all of those people in this fight? I don't know if he would have. I think a lot of that was to just flip to the other side and be like, oops, (laughs) (laughs) but like you do that when you know that the person that when you swap to the other side and it goes back to what we are, we're at now, it's like, damn, like I, I put him through all of this. I whoop his ass. I haven't tried to kill him. Like I, I used to, you know, I said something last podcast about him not hitting the kill shot. Clearly, with what he is saying, that was a kill shot. It's just surprising to me, just as much as it was a surprise to him, that it didn't kill Itadori. And the fact that he's able to heal himself so instantly, it just shows, okay, there's more to meet the eye. And like you said, there's more to this body because of what Kenjaku did. You know, because he built this body for, you know, Sukuna, who was without a vessel to become, you know, to have the ultimate body and live on and be able to, you know, have like reverse curse technique before it's even like you're getting to the end of death because it's not like, who's to say that Itadori had to see the brink of death before he got to this point, like, like a Gojo. Yeah. Speaking of Gojo, 
his prize student has entered the battle because just when all this happened and you thought that we were going to get to see more of what Itadori is capable of, like it had just to cut to that, it hasn't been confirmed that he was the one that used blood manipulation, but I have not seen a lick of Choso around. So, I mean, he still got the weird arms, the body switching chapter with Kusakabe. None of that has been explored. So whenever we get to see what, Itadori can do. What abilities do you guys think he have? Let us know in the comments. But yeah, with with you to joining, I was not expecting this, and I should have. I was just so fixated on him fighting Kenjaku. That's what he set himself up to do. It went over my head that we would get the king and queen of curses fighting. I just didn't think it would come so fast. Uh, it's, it's almost over. I told you, man. Like, everything is coming to an end at this point. Like, we're starting to see the very uh, end of this story in terms of all of the questions that you would have. You know, you're seeing all of the head-to-heads. And it's best that it happens in a way that it started, you know? It's almost like a Mortal Kombat type of situation where everyone's just fighting not to get to the top, but everyone's fighting the top. And it started with the best. It dropped down a little bit. And now it seems like we're getting right back to that. Um, And I think that's perfect. Um, I don't. I did not honestly expect him to be able to get back here so fast. I feel like at some point in time, we got to figure out how this man is moving because Yuta is clearly the fastest man alive. Like Moving like Cat Williams. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Faster than Cat Williams. Like He taught Cat everything he knows because it hasn't been that much time has passed and he's getting from fight to fight. Like Maybe it's Rika or something. I mean, we also got to take into account with Gojo gone, he might be the strongest sorcerer right now too it's it's probably him or Hikari who we also haven't seen fight with Uarame in in quite some time since we switched over to Higuruma Higuruma and Yuji you think there's a reason why they're holding on to that fight because you think with a fight with with everything that's happened they could have buttoned that up pretty quickly you know, I feel like it's a it's an ongoing thing with a lot of the 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 manga we're reading right now where there's just something going on. I think it's everybody trying to finish up and there's just too much going on. I equate this with what we talked about last week with uh Kurogiri and Eraserhead, you know, it's just when's it going to show up? It happened. You know, I know it's not as important as everything else, but right. let's let's get it out of the way so we can get to the meat and potatoes. And that's and that's the point. Like I I feel like when you do that, you're kind of forcing people to want that because I mean at that point you're you're making us not even making, but it's like you keep that on your brain as you continue to read on with the story. It's like, hey, that did happen. I wonder if they're going to get back to that for any particular reason. Or I wonder if there's, you know, that situation in itself ha- held any weight. And um, 
I feel like in that specific, you know, in that type of scenario with, you know, Eraser Head, Kiri Geary, and especially in this situation, she, I think it was a girl, she herself came out of nowhere. So for her already kind of just popping up on her own completely out of nowhere, why wouldn't there be um, like another, you know, scenario like that where her presence was necessary? You talking about Urame? Yeah, Urame. Unless it's just to like show off Hakari, but even then, it's like because he's been gone since the minute like they she stepped on the scene. How are you really doing either of those things? Well, Urame, I believe whenever we get their fight, we'll learn more about their significance to Sukuna. You know, like as we saw in the Shibuya incident. That's a good point. You know, he we saw, you know, Urame popped up behind him and started ta- talking to Sukuna all casually. And he was right. really, he was about to cut up. He was like, oh, oh, it's that Urame. <laughs> what you doing here? What's good, bro? You know what I mean? And obviously there's some connection to Kenjaku there as well. So with Kenjaku supposedly dead, maybe that's where we learn more about you know, what was going on in his plan through Urame, who has probably been around since the beginning, but we never saw, we never saw them around the, the cursed spirits, you know? So who's to say? Now is Urame a cursed spirit or just like a cursed spirit user that has lived for a long period of time? Like <laughs> that. That's the thing. So we, yeah, we just don't know either. We don't but, know. Okay, that's good to know. All right, cool. Because Arame could quite possibly be like, you know, one of the the people who was, you know, uh, used to be a cursed item and has taken over somebody's body. You know, maybe they had, they're an ice user. Maybe they literally froze themselves yeah. for all those years. Like, we don't know. You know, it'd be that's interesting to see. But I think that's it for JJK. Another another good chapter. Things are really getting interesting now. Definitely excited to see this fight between Sakuna and Yuta and Rika because they made it a point to show that she was she was upset with the way he was talking to Yuta. And we know how Rika get when they get on Yuta. So definitely looking forward to that one. But over in my hero academia, we got a lot going on, man. Um, this fight between Shigaraki and Deku. Deku is really, really going easy on Shigaraki here. I've I fully believe that with this being the end, the only thing we're missing is Deku being at one hundred percent because. He's definitely using his mind, which has always been his greatest weapon. Being able to combine the different quirks. He's got Black Whip wrapped around his muscles to help do the Delaware smash. Using the gear shift on smoke screen, multiple Black Whips to confuse Shigaraki's danger sense. There's a lot going on. And when he actually connects a hit 
on Shigaraki, he takes off his arm. He should have just went for the head. Should have went for the head. And we could have not learned from Thanos. <laughs> we could we could have ended this right now. Yeah. And, and see, the problem with Deku, and you know, Kudos said it. This is the reason why he didn't like Itadori, or not Itadori, excuse me. This is the reason why he didn't like Deku when he met him, because he's trying to save everyone. And there's some people that you just cannot save. And I wonder if Deku had experienced what all for one truly was not seeing Shigaraki, but seeing all for one. I wonder if he would have viewed it a little bit differently. Like if, if Deku had to fight all for one first, <laughs> do you think Deku would have tried to save all for one? After- I hope not. But part of me feels like, yes, like I, I'm trying not to think that, but I'm like, God, Lee, but when he would have done that still seeing the little kid, I see the little boy in you. Shut the fuck up, bro. That this little, little boy trying that, to kill you. That little baby is a menace. Do you not see what he's doing to his mother? Right. It's like, bro, what are you talking about? And that's <laughs> you just needed someone man. to hug you. No, bro. He he was hugging her too much inside of her when she was pregnant, bro. There's everyone can't be saved. And he was all about that smash, man. He <laughs> Deku saw a villain. You a villain. You getting this state and you getting this smash. Think about it, you know? Stain. Ain't care about none of that stuff he had going on. Nope. Muscular. Granted, you know. I'll say for at least Stain, he was overpowered. I don't think there's been many situations where he can beat the villain outright. Yeah, yeah. Not at the time, no. So I'll, I'll take that back. But, yeah, just to, to, to see all this, it's like even Shigaraki says it. Like, they get into this whole talk no jutsu space of I can save you and – Shigaraki's like, I'm not that boy anymore. Like, yo, we seeing the same thing. And I think that's a very important aspect that they that they mention here. Like that they are see they can see inside each other's, you know, spaces, vested spaces. And it's like that so little boy. I know what your that, mind is on. I see. I see it. I see it too. Yeah, yeah. yeah I ain't little, on that shit no more, but that little boy is blocked out and away. Right. Is gone, bro. That little boy don't need no saving. He he is me. Let yeah. it go <laughs> for a minute. Can we talk about the brokenness of search? You know, and it's crazy because I've completely forgot that he had search. I'm shout out to you from the Pussycat Dolls. Yeah, like she had one of the dopest quirks that has been taken from her since the very, very beginning. Like hashtag long game, bro. They kept talking about it. Like it's something that kept coming back and we saw like the little significance of it like in the war arc that's what he used to find Deku but now like it not only can it find you it can find out your weakness it's like bro imagine if before Ragdoll lost that quirk if she was able to use it on all for one and then like know what his weakness is to be able to tell the heroes might not be in any of this situation yeah yeah, I mean, why we're not heroing properly? All Might probably should have got as soon as a no move got loose. Hey, Ragdoll, you got this quirk that can find people, and you know what their weakness is. 
let's uh let's I, go ahead and put that in use real quick. I think I need to holler at you. Real <laughs> you know what I'm quick. saying? We got I got a couple of missions for you. You will be paid handsomely. The <laughs> first like, time a nomu popped out, Midoriya, hey, let let's ride. <laughs> I need you to do one good punch. You're gonna break your arm, but everything will be smooth afterwards, I promise. Not enough black people in the show, bro. That's what happens. Yeah, you, you just got rock lots. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, and Rock Lock was always about that business. <laughs> he wasn't trying to waste no time with nothing. All about that business. But speaking of seeing the vestige world, we get a glimpse of Star and Stripes, and I feel like that is very significant, and it's going to lead into the end of the chapter, but I think that's where we're going to do the bulk of the conversation because the second user goes back, and like you said, he sees that Deku has never given up on anyone, whether it be Bakugo or a villain. He's full-on committed to saving anyone. You know, like, not giving up is his quirk the same way that's Asta's magic. Yeah. You know, so at the end, like, because we saw Star and Stripes and we know Shigaraki took her quirk and she's pointing and one for all vestiges see what she's looking at. We get that final line where the second user tells Deku that he has to give up one for all. And that is pictured with the image of All Might telling him that he can be a hero. Thing that signifies that to be a hero, he has to give up one for all at this point. Oh, yeah. And I think it takes us back to something that we mentioned before. And I believe that in the process of All Might even creating his his suit, it probably it, I don't believe it was completely with himself in mind. I think it was with Deku in mind. I think in the process of knowing what all for one or excuse me, one for all does to you, does to the body. I think knowing how he feels about Deku, he wouldn't want him to put that time limit on himself. He wouldn't he wouldn't feel comfortable telling Deku's mom, um, you know, I'm raising your son to himself. That's just not who he is. So I think honestly, when you think about it on the whole scale I think he always had to give the quirk up, but at the same time, he always had a perfect, he had to be the one to be the last person. So I think it's just, uh, it's time, you know, and all for one, uh, you know, we talked, I talked about it, you know, he's already showing you that you can be a hero without a quirk. That's not, that's not important anymore. If Deku feels like he still needs to do that, even though he's already saved the world several times, then there's a way to go about doing that and not having to deal with the worst of the worst situations every time once over. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I would say overall, if this is sort of the end of his hero journey, I think it, it, it's kind of even though he's he saves the day, I would look at it as a little bit of a failed career, in, in my opinion. You know, because there have been so many different avenues that that could have gone 
along with this. So here's here's what I'm thinking now. You know, I've always had this idea that Deku gives Shigaraki one for all. Shigaraki gets all of it and you know, he decides to destroy himself for whatever reason. Take both the quirks out. With the inclusion of stars and stripes, knowing how she was able to use all for one, the quirk against itself by destroying different vestiges within the quirk and seeing how sentient the vestiges of one for all are. I definitely see a battle happening in the vestige world inside of Shigaraki's body, destroying quirks, taking them away, possibly leaving him quirkless. Yeah, similar. So it eventually gets to a point where it's just Deku versus. I mean, if you kill the decay quirk, that's not even really Tomura Shigaraki anymore. Well, yeah. The, the problem is, is that he still got that enhanced body. Oh yeah, right, that's right. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> it's <change> that. <laughs> like, like he's still super duper strong. <laughs> so, Forgot all about that. So all yeah. that stuff. <laughs> you got to remember, Eraserhead was erasing his quirk for a while, and he was, <laughs> was still whooping their ass. He was still doing some damage. Yeah, Deku ain't got that. So. It, <laughs> that that he does not, but because if Deku does it willingly, that is how one for all works. So maybe it won't be how all for one works, if that makes sense. Like he he won't have control because he's giving it willingly. Well, no, I I think he'll have control, but. We saw that when All Might gave Deku one for all, he was still able to use some of the embers, similar to when Deku gave Deku it gave to Bakugo. So mm. it could be where Deku still has the stockpile power. So he left, uses the embers. Left for a while. So then it really just turns into a a fist fight because all the Shigaraki's quirks would have been destroyed from the one for all vestiges. And right. you got to imagine if all Mike's vestige is in there, like just with his, you know, if we're to say he has the strength he has. Maybe Deku's vestige would also be in there and have similar strength. Well, that's funny that you said that. I thought about it. It's like, will Deku have his own vestige that is a culmination of everyone else? Yeah, if he passes the quirk along, you know he what should, I mean? Yeah. And, and we think, find out that Deku was the person who had the decay quirk all along. Stop that foolishness. <laughs> <laughs> that out of here. Like the one piece are the friends we made along the way. No, it's not happening. No, nah, but that makes sense, though. I like the idea of, you know, we talked about that before as well, having that vestige do show showdown. And it's a perfect way to do the quintessential everyone versus the main villain type of fight in a way that 
you're getting a chance to see all of the vestiges fight together. You're getting a chance to see all of the vestiges fight for the first time. We've never seen any of them really do their thing for real. We've not even seen Nana do her thing. So seeing them at their best set, seeing them, you know, knowing that, you know, we talked about it last episode, um, they know each other so well. So you have to think that they have trained or like kind of studied off of one another to a certain extent where they if they had to fight together and fight someone that they all know very well, they sh- it should be a good, pretty, you know, should be the best thing that we've seen out of my hero because these, <clears throat> these more or less should be the top dogs. Yeah. And with star and stripes being teased there, you know, maybe her quirk, factor could have been hiding out this whole time right you know just her moment could have been something similar to what happened in all for one where she was talking to other quirk factors and it was like hey we're gonna team up maybe the quirk factors just end up saving the tinko inside of tomura with, with nana being able to appeal to him you know being his grandmother and you know maybe shed some light it's a lot that could go on but i still want to know what's going on with kurigiri i'm sorry i'm so invested in kurigiri right now no i mean i gotta say within everything that we're seeing happen right now that's probably the most compelling story because it's a wild card it is a complete wild card of what could happen and how it can gain more aid to the story as a whole Mm -hmm. um because he's basic like it's been the one crazy twist that we haven't really gotten a whole lot of answers to like we don't even know how he is starting to change back to like his old self in terms of the mind like we don't even know how a we know how a, a nomu was made but we don't really know how they made a nomu from a dead body um, yeah it's a it's a lot. I would have more. I would have preferred to see this as opposed to all the stuff that they did with Spinner, especially Facts. because it was something that they really didn't set up, really didn't need that payoff. But to go back to this fight, it, it, it's gotta, it's gotta happen. You know, like Deku, he has to come to terms. He has to let, he has to let the court go. And I'm upset that it's gotten to this point because we've had so many different discussions about what the future of one for all could look like passing it down to somebody who doesn't have a quirk. So it'll still get that stockpiled power, you know, what it could mean for the, the sing the quirk singularity theories and all these different conversations we had. And for Deku to go back to being quirkless you know, even if he does get some type of suit like Iron All Might, it's still, I feel like it just takes away from a lot of what was going on. I'd rather have him have no quirk than to, than to get something like that. Get, get your weight up in the gym or something. Go do some Batman stuff. Well, we see what he's able to do with multiple quirks is like, I mean, he's he's a student of the game of being a hero. So 
I think regardless, he's going to be okay. He's he's in deep with everyone who's probably the best at uh, hero items and hero support items and stuff like that. He would absolutely be okay. And he has, you know, he's a student of the game. Even if he can keep one for all in the sense of not being able to use the quirk, but seeing it, being able to maintain a connection to the vestiges where he can continue to, like, be mentored by them. Like, I don't think that's a possibility, but that would probably be the best of all worlds. Keep your life, but keep your connection to. Uh, I guess we just probably shouldn't have looked so much into that uh, Todoroki vision, or maybe that was Endeavor's vision where it had them as adults or older, and Deku had the Kate, you know. Yeah. Never. Neither one of them niggas can see into the future. They not night eye, so I don't know why why we even put so much stake into that. I mean, and at the end of the day, him having a cape, him being dressed like that, that none of that says anything about him having one for all. He wasn't even showing that he was using one for all. He was just walking. So yeah. Like he could and he's 16. <laughs> like he can absolutely still get stronger, get buff, like present like a hero and and still you know be be the leader of the pack like he doesn't necessarily need a quirk for that if anything knuckle duster kind of shows you that so yeah it just sucks because i feel like it just kind of takes away from him having that naruto moment where he becomes the hokage this is all time he wanted to be the number one hero and in theory, like, yeah, he's the number one hero. Like, nobody is, no other hero is going to beat him right now. Right. So do you feel like it, like, instead, but because my argument would be he is the number one hero, right? Um, I feel like the argument that you're making is his number one goal was his original goal when he pointed at the TV, when he asked his mom, is there any way that he could have a quirk? And the doctor told him, no, I think we're beyond that point. I think we we've been, we've been beyond that point since, um, all might. So, well, I think all might has proven that he's beyond that point. Now, granted, he hasn't seen that, but I think, now that All Might had to prove that point to himself, because remember, All Might told him that it wasn't possible. Now it's time for Deku to prove that point as well. He has to prove that point to himself that he never needed the quirk to be a hero because he had proved he had told himself that he did. But if you really think about it, he could have done all of this stuff outside of learning how to, you know, float. The quirks that he has are all very very much things that could be um, turned or created via support tech. A support tech. Like he can, I mean, outside of the strength and like I said, the ability to make others float, which there's enough technology in there that they can probably figure out a way to work, make it work. But maybe, and maybe even fudge in, but like you can recreate that to some extent. Um, basically what I'm getting at, is for the most part Deku's quirks are support items and now that he's learned how to use them he can continue doing what he's he's been doing will it change a little bit 
Yeah, but there's ways around it. Like there's still ways for him to maintain his status as the number one hero, especially considering now you don't have to worry about there being a one for all or a all for one. Yeah, but I feel like if that was going to be how the story goes, then he should have never had a quirk to begin with. No, but that would... So, but I think by... I think that's the usual way that it would play out though that's that's the that's a very typical way that it would play out where you you prove that over time but if he's done all of this if he's gotten all the course and all of that has still gotten him to the point where he had to actually gain all of this strength and still lose it in order for him to really be a hero and then decide i can still do this like i don't think Let's let's keep it a buck. If Dickley had no fucking quirk, he'd be dead right now. Like he wouldn't Language. have made it this far. So excuse me. If Deku didn't have a quirk, he'd be dead right now. Like he wouldn't have made it this far fighting someone like Shigaraki, dealing with someone like All for One in the situations that they're dealing with. So I think for as much as I understand where you're coming from, I think this story is just a little bit different where the fight that he had to um endure the fight that he he really inherited it um it is already it's a two-year it's a 200-year bout so despite you know having to make make that that be known that you can be a hero or a quirkless hero i don't think the quirkless hero is necessarily what the world needed the quirk, the quirkless hero thought is what Deku needs to continue to move forward beyond this point. He still needed to be everything that he is in order to put his name on blast. But like now, it's like okay, now that you've put your name on blast as this this major hero, now that you can even be talked about in terms of what one for all is and what uh, what it has been for all of these years and what basically they've done, it's like almost even kind of writing the wrongs. Not even writing the wrongs, but it's putting more credence to what All Might has been doing over the course of like this forty year run. Um, it just changes the status of what Deku has had to endure at such a young age where it just kind of elevates him as a hero anyway. What he does beyond that point is just, you know, icing on a icing on a, a, a delicate delicately, you know, crafted cake. My brother in Christ, I am telling you, if at the end of this, Deku had no quirk, got the strongest quirk, got that quirk stronger, lost it, and at the end of the day, got a suit, which he could have had from the very beginning. I'm not going to be happy. I can understand that. I, I would not be happy. All my, it, it, it had a sentimental reason. We got to see him legit, you know, in action, All Might was that dude before he had a court. You know, when he got right. when he got one for all, he didn't need time to adjust to it. He was already strong. He was this is what Deku should have been doing. If he really wants to get out there and do something. 
so what would you prefer? Like how would like what would be your way of you know capping it off? And how how would you uh, finish it, it? Finishing it with the mindset that Deku is going to lose the quirk, or would you not have him lose the quirk at all? I would not have him lose the quirk at all. Ideally, he at least keeps just a stockpile of strength. Oh yeah, I still yeah, I'm still with that. At I the think very, it, I, I, I think the, that's yeah, I think that's what needs to be kept. I think at the very least, else. yeah, I think that makes the most sense because that's honestly what he needs to win this fight anyway. If they can do the rest, I I think that's the best way to go. Yeah, so I'm yeah, I'm with that. But what I think will happen is that he'll lose all his quirks, and then I just feel like at that point he shouldn't be a hero because I we mean, saw All Might in in the uniform, you know, similar. It's tech; it can be destroyed the same way anything else can. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's like. I still feel like what what more do you have to prove even to yourself? Like, yeah, you can keep become a cop if you feel like you need to save lives still after this nonsense. Like you've done more than enough. Like call it a wrap, G. Like for the way, especially All Might just kind of dismissed the tech part of things like the support items, like when they were first introduced and how he was saying like they were too clunky and they got in the way for him to end everything in a suit that that was a bit ironic I thought but for Deku who this could have been like something that was shown in the beginning of the story where he didn't have a quirk and instead of doing all these scenarios written in a pad that really didn't come in handy for anything outside of the second season. Right. He could have been creating items. That could have been something he was doing. If yeah, especially he's not, considering if, he met uh, what was it? The I think I can't think of her name, but the support chick. He well, met just, her early. Well just the fact that he doesn't have a quirk and he's trying to go up against people with superpowers with, yeah. with nothing like yeah, he really could have that, like, they were, like he needed a quirk. He needed yeah. a quirk. Like if you were to put Deku quirkless inside that Iron Man suit, what is he going to be able to do with it? He doesn't have a quirk. You know, he's able to do so many things because he had the strength of one for all. Mm-hmm. Like if he gets hit inside that, like he does, he is a normal person. <laughs> like <he's, laughs> just a regular ass dude. He's getting knocked he not, around. He's not getting up in that, that, uh, that fight against muscular. You know, like if, if he has a quirk, it's his high tolerance for pain. But at that point, it is a liability. When somebody like Danky can come in, electrocute his suit, and then he's worthless. It makes no sense to me. That's why I feel like there are there's no hero in My Hero Academia, as far as I know, that is nothing but support items. No, there's not. Not a good not a not in the top ten. Not, not in the top five hundred, probably. Yeah. But, 
So if it hasn't been done already and they do it for Deku just for him to continue on being a hero, I don't know. Might as well not do it. Might as well just not do it. Like, you you saved the world, bro. Like, you should should definitely be able to go anywhere and do anything you want to do for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Give as many speeches as you want to, but I do not want you in the field. You are a liability. (laughs) (laughs) Hang up up the gloves, champ. Bro, you... You peaked early. You peaked high. You you went out on top, bro. You do not have nothing to prove. At sixteen, you're good. <laughs> you you're good, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I I I am of the uh, the the argument of hang them up. It's hang them up. It, yeah, just you've done more than enough, boy. You stop. Your mom is about to have a heart attack. Hang him up, bro. Hang him up, bro. Like what? Else, like I said, what do you? Else, what do you have to prove Nothing. to yourself, to to the world, like to the to heroing? Like you've done everything. I feel like even if you jump back into this, it's just going to be boring. At this point, like, I mean, not. Not that, like, there's still an aspect of it, right? Like, there's still going to be villains. Like, before all this happened, like, there was a need for heroes. But hero society does need to change. Like, you think about, you know, Stain and mm-hmm. um, just the way the Hero Association was run, like, how they had Hawks operating and stuff like that. There needs to be a change. I feel like maybe Deku can do some changes from within, you know, make him some type of a, a bureaucrat. He's a smart guy. Yep. He'll get it done. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I don't. Let the nerd do nerd stuff. Hey, you said it. You said it. And I'm sure, like, and he'd be good at it, like, because he's someone who actually cares. He cares in a way that is different from anybody that you would meet because he has real world experience. Like he's, he really only got put in the situation that he was in because the world is the way that it is. If the world wasn't that way, you wouldn't have never, you would have never needed Deku or any of the kids for that matter to have to step out of high school in order to save the, save the heroes or the so-called heroes where when you had heroes, literally retiring early because they were too afraid to take on the villains because of the job has just gotten too much for them. You got 16 year olds and 18 year olds stepping up and handling business. Like what kind of world is this? I think so. Like that's why I'm just like, tell me it, it don't make no sense that Deku even had to do that. Let that man graduate and just go back home. And relax. Yeah, time to hang it up, Deku. Mm-hmm. Speaking of hung up, we were hung up over this chapter, waiting to see if this punch connected. And boy, howdy! One Piece chapter one thousand one hundred and four. It connected. Give a round of applause. Drop some effects in here. Of some claps. This might be. Not only the best punch we've seen in in One Piece, and we we've seen some great punches in One Piece. Luffy punching Charlos, Red Rock, Fire Fist, 
from Sabo and Ace. The punch, gear five punch that knocked out Kaido. This might be the best hit, all things considered, in anime. Whenever it drops. I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be the hit that the world feels, wants to happen, longs for, because the setup. Like, they're going to build this up so, so beautifully to really make you see that, you know, not only does he deserve this to, you know, connect, but it's something that the world deserves. It's one of the worst people in the in the story of One Piece. Like, of all the people that are in One Piece that do what they do, like, you have a lot of them, even as far as Del Flamingo, who has very, has a poor motive, but he has a motive. Like, the Gorosei are essentially just doing things to maintain a status quo that they remain on top. And that's it. And the way that they go about go- doing these things, and for this man specifically, for One Piece as a show, there's not a lot of times where the person who does you wrong is the, you know, you don't usually get get a chance to get your get back, mm-hmm. you know. Not you directly. Not you directly. When someone does you wrong, Luffy usually has to clear the board for you. Like he used to I'm, have to make it right. I'm sure Nami would have loved to get that punch to Arlong. It oh my gosh, yeah. it wasn't gonna happen. <laughs> I'm sure Ace would have loved to have captured Whitebeard or Blackbeard, like after his his homeboy died. But it just usually doesn't happen that way. So this this the way this happening in this particular way it's just perfect. Like Egghead is going to be the absolute best arc. And honestly, I was I was a little bit indifferent because I noticed on Netflix the other day that egg, the Egghead art is already being released and they're releasing the Egghead art before releasing a lot of pretty much any of the two year gap. And I thought that was a little bit odd. But when you know that this is coming as like, nah, Netflix is capitalizing. They're they're not forcing Oda do, to do anything. They're basically saying, Oda, we got the bread. We got the 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 atmosphere. We got the production for you to do what you need to do. Come through, bro. Just just come on. Let us just give you the money to get this going because I know it. We know what's going on. Don't even worry about your other stuff. We'll bring that on slowly. We're gonna bring everybody on the one piece. We're gonna get you all their bread. Like they just they're doing it right. And I'm so excited to see this punch. They should have put this punch in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, that whew, definitely a lot going on, man. This is definitely one of the, I think, crazier One Peaks arcs. And what's even crazier about this hit is we learn a little bit more about what's going on with Kuma. Um, 
Saturn instructed Vegapunk to put in a self-destruct switch. And what this self-destruct switch did, instead of a boom, it just shut him down. And it's interesting because Saturn mentions that he flipped that switch after they the the um, revolutionary army captured him so some more dumb stuff his 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 plan was to blow them boys sky high so i'm trying to (laughs) not only kill your your girl kill you kill your daughter i'm trying to kill your homies too and i'm trying to kill your homies with you and that's probably something internally that kuma realized because it's may it's it's assumed that his Buccaneer blood is what happened. Vegapunk said that they're rumored to have a special ability. And we've seen lots of different tribes and people inside of One Piece and them having extraordinary abilities is, you know, like we have people who manipulate elements in One Piece without devil fruits, you know, all the minks with their electric powers, you know, fishmen being able to control water, probably the most deadliest thing in the one piece world. Right. So who knows, maybe the Buccaneer, who, who knows what this Buccaneer ability is that allowed Kuma to will himself to be able to get back to egghead because if we saw you know we go back to it all this probably happened whenever he like jumped up and left the new the new copper kingdom right and we, we saw he was on a mission red line he was after somebody there whoever ain't here where bonnie at that's my next mission you know what i mean <laughs> right like when you climb in the red line you know something's wrong um yeah, I was a little bit, I was a little bit mad at Oda when he didn't just tell us what was going on with um the the Buccaneers. I'm like, bro, like we we don't we don't know enough to even speculate on this. Can you just stop playing and just give us the information for once, bro? Right, like, bro, there's nothing for us to go on here. You said right. that they have giant. What does that even mean? <laughs> so have giant, half what? Like what? What, man? Because like, come on, dog. you don't have to do this every time, dog. Like you go tell us next episode. Just tell us right now. Like tell us what right you, now. It's like golly, bro. <laughs> I just want to watch the fight. <laughs> I don't want to have to like think about everything that's happening in the process as well because. When I sit there trying, like I said, when I started to speculate, oh, what if the I don't know shit about a buccaneer? What about it's like I, I can't tell you nothing, nothing, bro. I just learned about them exist their existence days like what would have been days ago if I lived in one piece? <laughs> like, not even, what, not even, not even. Good, right, that, that, hours ago, we just learned about buccaneers in the flashback, and all that happened in in an instant. Ah oh, man. Like, anyway, I'm getting mad. Um <laughs> Saturn Saturn versus the Straw Hats, man. What do you think about um he's got these regenerative powers? You know, Kuma knocked off an arm and a horn from the rubble. 
and he he's right back to action. But shout out to Sanji and Frankie. You know, Sanji for blocking Sanji for blocking the hit and Frankie for putting a hole through him. You know what I mean? Like this we got some feats for the straw hats, and they haven't even fought the the top dogs yet. Right. I, I and I love that Oda found the time to do that for all of the stuff that we were just talking about him. Like I love that he found the time to just like incorporate, hey, this is how they they're stronger now. Like I'm gonna show you in like the little things that they're able to do, because the fact that a- that Sanji's even able to stop him his motion, I mean, it ain't like he hurt him or nothing, but like you're able to at least defer him from doing what you're trying to do. And like you said, like Frankie shot a hole in bro. Like regardless if he's not <laughs> looking or not, that like to your your the ability to be able to shoot a beam through someone it requires a certain degree of strength, especially when that person has like hockey. So for both of them, I feel like that's at least a boost of you know, what would you say about fifty million berries? I mean, for the crime of injuring a Goro's head. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh man, you know, I, yeah, that's I'm sure feel, Zoro not gonna be able to call him number three no more. I feel like Chopper gotta be worth half a million at this point just from being there. <laughs> they gotta stop playing with bro. <laughs> <laughs> they gotta stop playing with Chopper for real. But yeah, I love I love seeing it. Um man, shout out to Vegapunk for showing us what a real kind character is and showing us what a real like solid character can be like and i'm talking side character in one piece because i feel like not knowing who he is for all of this time there's so many slanderous words that probably have gone out about what vegapunk has done or how, like, how vegapunk is operated and who vegapunk probably is and the only thing he has shown us is that he a real one well i will say i will say that there was reason for people to be skeptical about vegapunk for all these years knowing the type of things he he did like all these new advances what happened to kuma all these were very questionable things and at the end of the day, you know, even when we first meet Stella and we see these flashbacks with Dragon and we learn like, oh, you know, it's the money. And like he's got this smug look on his face. Like I still wasn't sold on him. But now that we've seen the flashback with Bonnie and Kuma, it, I feel like he's more human than yeah, you know, like you know, fic- Luffy is a very fictional character. You won't find many Luffys out there in the real world. Mm-hmm. Vegapunk is somebody is somebody that can exist in a show because he doesn't have black or white. He lives in that area of gray. He's done horrible things. But it's for the advancement of technology. He's trying to figure out these things out. And at the end of the day, there's a reason why they're trying to kill him now. Right. 
Right, right. And and I love how you mentioned it because that is a perfect segment to another character who I believe is showing us a very human side of a, himself that he may not have shown before in Kizaru. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once again, I'm gonna call him Borsellino because he had him more like Borsellino than yeah, Kizaru yeah, right he, now. Yeah, you're right. He is being mad Borsellino right now, talking about he should have worn darker glasses because he know he about to cry. You got Vegapunk snapping on him about how sad he is because he knows that this is your family, bro. Yeah. Like this, if if it, like everyone that we've seen go through a situation where they've had to go against their family, it's been for the right reasons. Like Sanji against, you know, judge was for every, for the right reasons. Um, well, that's different. You know, like one piece, they, they really make an emphasis to put, you know, the found family being more important than the blood family. And, with and this Sin- is his found family. With with the way Sentamaru addresses him as like uncle and mm-hmm. you know, just the, those flashbacks of how the four of them bonded. It we we get a real humanization of him because for the longest of all the admirals, Kizaru has been merely a pawn, a weapon. Yeah. Yeah. To you know, a pirate punched a celestial dragon. Send Kizaru. There's some the Marine Ford. Kizaru's there to fight. Mm-hmm. Trouble on Wano. Oh, you want me to go? It's not like the Akainu where we see how he operates. You know, on, on the behind the scenes stuff in his new power of position, or just how much emphasis his character had in Marine Ford. And we saw with Kuzan, we saw, you know, not only his backstory recently, but before that, we saw everything with the Buster Call. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Buster Calls, this will be Robin's third Buster Call. Bro, she she finna talk- wake up. <laughs> What's up? What's up? Talk about PTSD. <laughs> Bruh. Like she can't run away from him, bro. That's gotta suck. Robin like, Robin averages a buster call every 10 years. That's crazy, yeah. This is a <laughs> a world-changing event. <laughs> you see three. This is a third one. Most people don't live from one buster call. <laughs> not, on, not only is this her third buster call, a buster call comprises of 10 marine ships. This one has a hundred. She's seen the largest buster calls. With an admiral and a Gorosei member there. Not to mention the Seraphim and CP0 who are all falling victim to this buster call. Yeah, so I believe after after Egghead, it's a strong possibility that they're going to be either at or over 10 billion berries as a crew. 10 billion berries. Uh... I don't know. How much are they collectively now? Honestly, I was thinking it would be closer to 10. But seeing where they're at right now, like I didn't know before, but they're sitting pretty high. They're at 8.81 billion right now. And um, with what's already happened, like we just said, you got Sanji and Frankie who have attacked the Gorosei directly. You have... um, 
Zoro and Luffy, who have both fought members like members of CP Zero, and Luffy, who fought a admiral. You have Robin, who just happens to be there. So, you know, they always going to say, oh, why is always the trouble following you? So, you know, she about to hit a million. Um, and then everyone else is just going to go up naturally just for simply being there, which is which is always like a like a five anywhere between 30 to 70 like million. I found it hard to believe that they're not going to hit like. 10, like 10, 12, maybe even 15. Well, not to mention, they might also add a crew member in Bonnie that'll also shoot them up. Right. That's definitely going to shoot them up because she already has, she's already over like a million. And now you have a full connection with uh, Bartholomew Kuma, which is just going to make it even worse. Yeah, they definitely, they, yeah, if, if Bonnie joins, I'm definitely saying 15. If she doesn't, they're, they're at 12. All right. What do you think the collective straw hat bounty will be after Egghead? Let us know. But here's the real question and where we're going to leave off on this episode. Where is Monkey D. Luffy? Because he was in the last chapter. We saw him eating. There's nothing in him in this chapter. Absolutely. They don't even talk about him. This was a it was a pretty quick chapter, but to not even see Luffy mention him, to talk about getting Kuma to the ship and getting Bonnie to the ship, nobody said anything about Luffy. Right. Like the only thing that's mentioned is in the spoilers and is mentioned the fact that he is not meant he is not there. <laughs> So where, where do you where do you think Luffy is? What do you think happened to Luffy? Is it finally time for the robot? I don't know what that robot would have did to him, but I would like for him to show up. He's been he's been teased for a while. Well, if they got a Buster call on the way, you need the robot to just stop just to hold uh, Saint Saturn there, so he can't get away and everybody else can. Yeah, I seen um, some people. Seem to think that Caribou is the re- is is where Luffy went, and he was the one that brought him the food instead of Kizaru. I forgot he was there. That would also make sense in comparison to like how he was feeding him, because mm-hmm. Caribou is wild like that. He's just gonna like load him up with food when he sees like there's a problem, because he's just someone who moves advantageously. He's just trying to survive. Yeah, he's an opportunist. Absolutely. I don't want him to join the crowd. Don't want him around. I, I know. I, I don't. He's a bad. He, he's a bad influence on the crew. Get him away he, from my team. <laughs> he just falls into like a Caesar clown type role to me, mm-hmm. and it's like he's been around. He's been on that boat since like since what? The, the, since the time skip, right? Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been since the time skip. Like, why is he still there? What? I don't know. It don't make no sense. I I don't understand like how he's survive this long in terms of just like as a character and as a mainstay like of all characters to can have continually to come back y'all got rid of carrot but y'all could y'all keeping caribou the question but where is luffy hopefully wherever he is he can get to the straw hat soon egghead's going great this might be the only arc i'm not looking forward to ending out of yeah. the ones we talked about today, you know, 
it's not in the end game yet, but like we always say, all of these are approaching the finales and until they're over, we're going to keep talking about them in the next Shonen Heat Week. So let us know what you thought about these chapters. Please check us out on social media. Make sure you subscribe. And until next time, keep nerding, friends. And we out here. Peace. Peace.